When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and joining me this week to discuss all the latest things that are happening around our wonderful club is first of all the splendid Mr David Marshall. How you doing mate? And joining to make us a trio is Mr Colin McMillan. Hello Colin. Hello David, hello other David, how you doing? Yeah that, that might get confusing, just call him Marshall. <laughs> okay. Duration of the show, no offence David. I was here first. Um, right, let's let's get straight into it then, lads. Uh, Rangers set a new record at the weekend. Uh, first time in our, our history that we have started the season with six domestic clean sheets, which uh, I must admit was a wee bit of a surprise to me when you think of some of the defenders that we've had over the years. But uh, then again, back in the old days, teams used to, you know, try and attack us. But uh, I will say that for Hamilton Ackies, they did. Uh, they tried to play a little bit at the weekend. I was fortunate enough to be at the game because uh, Hamilton uh, granted me access. Uh, one of the clubs who are similar to our own club and a few others. It's not it's not unique uh, this season, but uh, they, they are granting fan media access to the to the stadiums. And Dave, as someone who's worked in the industry and who's been around it now for a number of years, it does definitely seem to be changing. And it does seem that once the the gates get opened a little bit, and I'd like to thank Hamilton for doing it, because it's a lot easier just to say, oh, no, we could do what, what someone moans or complains. And we're very upfront about, you know, we are a Rangers but We're fair, but we are Rangers supporters. But there does seem to be a bit of a change in culture within the media landscape. Which is a good thing because historically or traditionally in Scotland, we're very, overall, not just in a sporting aspect, we were very slow to um, change when it came to our media output. 
I mean, you had uh, mainstream uh, newspaper workers in Scotland still telling you this internet thing was just a fad as as early as 2010. Try and go on, uh, if you can remember, try to access the Daily Record website at that point was, you know, you know, it was a disgrace. It was pretty much unusable. Not that we use it very much now, but at least it's it's, it's at least fairly, you know, it's um, usable, um, even though it's not our our first port of call for sources. This is a good thing, yeah. You know, fan media is growing, um, not just uh, ourselves in terms of Rangers aspect. You see it more on Twitter now. I see different... um, fan-led medias from other clubs in Scotland popping up, which is which is only a good thing because, you know, it's a, it's a very DIY punk rock attitude. We are not getting the coverage in Scotland uh, that we want as, as supporters of, of any club, really. So, you know, why not do it ourselves? And as we've shown, the output that fan media can give uh, can be excellent. So, at, at, and at the end of the day, clubs as well, they're, they're, not, they're not particularly bothered who's, who's covering the games. If it's covering the game and they're doing it well, then that's fine. We've got a Heart and hand, certainly we've got a a, 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 a very sizable following. You know, people know who we are. People know who, who you are, particularly David. So yeah, I mean, good on Hamilton. You know, um, a club that for a small size they do a lot of things the right way, and this is yeah, a tip of hat to them for for uh, leading the way in this one. Colin, I you know certainly don't flatter myself that I'm trained or a professional or anything along those lines but I would say I don't think any of the questions that I ask or that I've heard other fan media at other clubs ask because I know that other clubs Dundee United, Celtic, Hamilton etc they, they let in fan media. I would argue our questions are certainly no sillier than the ones um, offered by the professional media I think that's completely fair. Um, it's it's no it's no surprise that most weeks when Rangers choose a question or two questions to put little snippets of out on social media, more often than not, it is the one that you ask. And I say that for your gritted teeth because your ego's big enough as already, David. But you are more than just holding your own in there. And a lot of kudos to the clubs first of all for letting the fan media in. But you and Mark are getting in and doing the right things, behaving properly, and just fitting in and be acting like an an, an actual journalist and doing what's expected of you in that position. So they'd be daft to turn you away. It's, like David says, it's not doing any harm to the club having you there. You're certainly not embarrassing the club or anybody else, and it's all going well. And our listeners are benefiting from it. So it's a great positive movement in Scottish football, and long may it continue. Now to the game because that's uh, obviously the most important thing as Rangers fans. Another win, another three points. Uh, looked as though that the kind of threatened cricket score we were going to run up against somebody was going to happen because we were two up inside 20 minutes playing some great stuff and David is it just you know we're Rangers fans and this is what we expect maybe a wee bit of disappointment or maybe a wee bit more than a wee bit of disappointment that we didn't go on and get four or five Uh, and I don't think this is a case of just us as fans moaning because the manager said pretty much the same thing afterwards yeah you know I was expecting um, I was expecting us first and foremost to, to win against Hamilton but because the way they play, and we've talked about it before, they're they're not really one of these teams um, that will come and they'll sit in and put 11 men behind the ball for 90 minutes. They will be a wee bit open up and they will try and play a wee bit, which obviously works to our benefit. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is we're just a better team than Hamilton Aggies. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm you know, saying anything uh, drastic or major there, but we've got better players, so when it comes to if these two teams are going to get each other, go, go at each other, we're going to win. 
uh, end of the day. And yeah, starting off with the two, the two early goals, I said we're playing some nice football. Things start to be, you know, clicking a wee bit more in the attacking says. And I thought we were maybe going to run up 4-5 now. I'm perfectly honest as well, I'm sure we'll talk in this wee war. If it did end up being that score, I don't think it would have flattered us, uh, to be honest. We had a, a decent amount of chances and the scoreline could have been a wee bit more, but... Yeah, and I still think um I still think it's coming. Um it's just you know, we're getting settled into this now. I think the 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 hammer uh, uh, is coming at one point. But yeah, I mean two 0 it's I'll I'll take it every day, I'll take it. Yeah, it was a fairly straightforward victory. Yeah. Colin, as David says, Hamilton don't, Brian Rice spoke about this. They they don't put ten men behind the ball. As he said, I'd rather risk the odd, you know, beating, but have the chance of the odd victory, which of course, you know, they managed last season against us at Ibrox of all places. But uh, he said, I'd rather take that risk and try and play a bit of football than, you know, put 10 men behind the ball and lose 1-0 every time. So there are those opportunities if you're playing well, because we've seen Rangers go down there and, and not play so well. But they, you know, we, I thought at the weekend we really, we really did play well. It was the finishing that let us down. Um, slight concern moving forward. And I hate to be, Money after a, a victory, I'll take an easy win that's pretty much done after 20 minutes um, every match we play, in all honesty. But I think there was a platform there to go on and, and smash in a few. But then again, you know, Kamar Roof is just getting settled in. Yanis Hadji was just back into the side. Maybe rustiness? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think um, if Kamar Roof was maybe three or four games on and he's, he's quest to get match fit, he could possibly have scored a couple at the weekend. Um, the, the chances were certainly there for them. And there was just a little bit of sharpness that stopped it. Um, the, the big thing for me is that we made the chances and it made up such a difference compared to the week before, getting them early. And a lot of the, the, the worry went away and a lot of the kind of aggro after the game. If you think about after Kilmarnock, we got the same result the previous week against Kilmarnock, but the juxtaposition between getting two early goals and two late goals in a game was massive as to how everybody felt about it. Last week, people were moaning. This week, they're moaning because we didn't go on and do more. Um, I'll take that, um, and I do think we will score more goals. Kemar Roof is really impressing me. Uh, I think once he gets the hang of the Scottish game and realises just how little time he'll get on the ball and does things a little bit quicker, um, I think he's going to come on a really, really good game for us and score a lot of goals. So in terms of up front, I'm not concerned about only scoring 2-0 at the weekend, um, especially at this stage in the season when everybody is still finding their feet, finding their fitness. There was a couple of chances in the box at the weekend as well where... There was a bit of pinball action in the box a couple of times, and on that pitch, that ball bounces in crazy ways as well. So, I think it's—I'm not stressing about it or panicking just yet. The if we're saving the doing or the hammering for Dundee United in 13 days, then that will do me absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, no, no complaints for me if that's where it uh, where it comes down. Uh, they'd be reeling, of course, after getting absolutely battered at Kilmarnock at the weekend. So, certainly, uh, the defensively maybe not as sharp as certain other sides. But, uh, Dave. Being at these behind-closed-door games, I know you do uh, go to behind-closed-door games with uh, other Premier League sides. You obviously can hear a lot clearer the communication from the yeah. benches. And a lot of it is is you know not for a family audience, as the saying goes. But a lot of it is very interesting. And one of the things that I noticed in particular with the from the Rangers bench was Gary McAllister in particular shouting, shoot constantly when Rangers players were getting into positions that 
they were being instructed shoot and frustration coming when they didn't try and, and have a pop when they did uh, maybe as what we as fans would term overplay and constantly be it from Michael Beale, be it from Guy McAllister, be it from Steven Gerrard, it was two touches, two tu- maximum two touches. Yeah. Uh, it's clear that they are trying to get them to play at a higher tempo to not spend as much time on the ball as we saw at, at Livingston. You know, that's a performance I think we'll refer back to. And to shoot more often. And I just thought it was interesting because me as a fan, I've always kind of thought, well, they must be happy enough with us when we are trying to, as I see it, and I am you know, just mm-hmm. a layman, but as I see it, a wee bit overplay at times. But it seemed to me at the weekend, no, that's absolutely not the case. They are wanting the players to be whizzing the ball a bit a lot faster. And if it opens up to have a pop, yeah, I'd, that's, that's probably fair. I think as well, um, talking about that and uh, you know proving your point was that second goal at the weekend. You know, Kent cuts inside, takes a shot. It's putting it in that, that dangerous area, and from the from the aftermath and the follow up, we score. I'd like to see us doing that a, a lot more often. You know, I think that's the way we should be playing. Because um, particularly if we are going up against these uh, games where teams are going to just put 11 men behind the ball, you know, if you're getting it 20, 25 yards out, half a pop, because even if you don't score, you don't know what's going to come for there. If the keeper makes a save and it falls out to uh, to whoever's running in, you know, we've got a, a good chance to take something out. It's, it certainly seems to be me more efficient than passing it around, passing it around, getting to the byline, it going out for a goal kick. And, um, you know, trying the same thing over and over again. With the players we've got as well, we know we have players that can that can take a shot. Hadji can have a shot. Kent, even like Ryan Jack, Arfield. There's plenty of players in our team who can shoot from distance, who can who can score from distance. So, yeah, hopefully that's something we do see more often because it, it, it keeps teams guessing as well because if you're sure that you're not going to shoot, then that's fine. Then we can just sit in the 18-yard box and you're not get, you're, you can't you can't play through us and you're not going to take the shot. So what are you going to do? So let's keep the teams guessing. Let's mix up. Let's have those wee shots with us. They're not always trying to overplay it, as you said. Yeah, and no, I totally agree. And, uh, well, a large part of today's show was going to be uh, praising and waxing lyrical about him. But David brought him up there, Ryan Kent who was sensational, never stopped. His movement is incredible and it must be murder to play against him, Colin, because, as I say, he never stops. He's always dragging people out of position. You can see that they're not sure whether to pass him on or whether they should go with him. And it's constant. He never lets up. And one of the things that that is really encouraging, there just seems to be, you can tell when a player sort of grabs the grabs the, the, the authority, if you like, and says, nah, right, I'm the man here. And obviously at Rangers for the last few seasons, it's been Alfredo Morelos, you know, for, for better or for worse. It has been. He's been the guy that has said, you know, you can put this on my shoulders, I'll take it. And that's why we've struggled so badly when Alfie's been off on. But to me, so far this season, Ryan Kent seems to have stepped up a gear. We always knew he had the ability, but now he looks incredibly comfortable and he looks as though he's reveling with the responsibility that comes with being, if you like, one of the defining characters in the side. Yeah, I think it definitely does. He's he's been the top man for me so far this season, and he is all over that pitch in different positions, swapping sides. He like you say, he just doesn't stop, and not never mind not knowing how to defend him. You don't even know which defender to put on him probably half the time, which makes it all the more confusing for the opposition defence. He's probably if you think about when he first joined us, he was on loan, and he was just still trying to fit in. His first real big 
games in front of big crowds and stuff like that. Last season he had the injuries and he also had that price tag hanging behind him. You get the feeling he's kind of established himself. He feels like a real proper part of the club now. And some of the some of the confidence issues, some of the consistency we're starting to see from him. He was always there against Celtic. He was always there in the big games, Ryan Kent. That was never ever really a criticism of him. It was doing it every game and being effective every single game. And so far, Touchwood, five, six games in this season, that's what we're seeing from him. And that's that's what we needed. When you spend that amount of money on a player like that, you expect him to be the difference maker in every game. And that is what he's doing. Um there's no wonder there's, there's tough clubs talking about it when he's been linked to other places, but I hope he stays here for a long, long time because he's one of the players in the team that when he does get the ball, he gets you up off your feet or up off your sofa as it is just now to see what he's going to do next. He's genuinely exciting and he's dangerous. And you see, used to be just the Celtic defenders that were terrified of him, that they're all terrified of him now when he's got the ball. He can't be sold, David. I mean, it is that simple. He can't no. be sold. 100%. Um, looking at our squad the way it is now, uh, all things staying the same. If we sell Ryan Kent, um, this season's humped, in my opinion, in terms of um, of certainly in terms of winning the league. And you can say, well, sell him and bring someone else in. It's it's just it's simply not that easy. It's um, taking him really, you know, he's he's been good and he's been there's mm-hmm. been periods of really good form, but it's taken him two years to get totally comfortable and settled in into this this vein. It's it's unrealistic to expect someone to come in and be at that level. No, exactly, especially at this point now. Like we're five, six games into into the league season and you're expecting somebody to come into that team gel straight away and have the same impact uh, same impact that Ryan Kent's had. It, it, it won't happen. We we need to keep this guy. If we've got any aspirations of uh, going on this season and winning trophies and more particularly winning the league, he needs to say he, he is at he is at port now. I'm I'm really glad that he has stepped up because I think we talked about it a lot during the summer. You know, when we were assuming that Alfie's away and it certainly looks like he will be in one form or another. Um, we needed somebody else to step up and a lot of us were looking to had Jane Ken and so far this season, yeah, I think Ryan Ken is uh, relishing this role of being the man and the team. I was reading an article today actually when Neil McCann was saying the same thing that he is now the man in this Rangers team and I totally agree with that 100%. You see Colin, we're not daft and we do understand financial realities of the Scottish game. We are limited by the league we play and it's just a fact. You know, Huge club um, and there's another kind of reasonably big one uh, as well uh, in Glasgow, I'll, I'll be fair. Um, but we're always going to be hamstrung by the league we play and by the country we play and there's nothing we can do about about that and there is this monster of a league down south where there's ridiculous amounts of money uh, and it's head turning for players all over the world never mind just for for English players but all that said he's under a long term contract he's settled he is very happy he said this himself and, and you can tell when a player means it he doesn't want to go and for me here's the key thing his value is not going to go down his value is going to go up so there's no pressure at all on us to sell him where he advocate, uh, agitating rather for a move and causing trouble, that's a different thing. And I get that player power, all that kind of stuff. But he's not. So for me, there is no price this season that makes it worthwhile for us to sell because at the end of the day, you know, business is business and we need the people who are in charge of that to look after it. But we are a football club. And the whole reason that people have plunked down money to support the club when they can't even get any games at the moment is to try and help us to win titles. And that's why for me, Kent is just there's there's no price that could prize him away this season as far as I'm concerned. 
No, not at this point. And just while we're speaking about it, let's just say kudos to Rangers for now being in a position where we've got players like Kent that are attracting this sort of interest and these sort of transfer fees because it's been a long time coming, David. However, this is a guy that just a year ago really dug his heels in and really made sure he got the move to us. He wanted to be here. This was where he wanted to be. There were certainly other options at the table, but he wanted to come back to Rangers after his loan. He's here now, and I think we've been the player and ourselves at this service selling him just now because we bought him for what seven, seven and a half million. They're talking about 12, 13, 14 million just now for him. Another good season with us, another good two seasons with us. That money goes up far, far higher than that. The sort of wages and the sort of club that he can attract is probably far better as well. So I think the best thing for him and for us is to stay put, win something with us and really make a mark on the game here. And then options will open up to him. I'm not naive enough to think we're going to keep yeah, a no, player Ryan Kent for his whole career. He's too good for that. Yeah. Exactly. At some point, he's going to want to test himself in England, and I get that, and that's fine, but... That's the model. That's fine. We can love with that, because that's how we need to be buying yeah. players, and that's, that works for me. But selling them just now, it's just not an option. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for anybody, I don't think. No, that can't must stay, but uh, I think he will, and I'm, I'm delighted by that, because he's a, an absolutely crack player, and he was a joy to watch at the weekend. I do like the link-up with the other players. I do like the movement. Speaking of which, David, um, uh, a figure who maybe continues to divide opinion, I think it's fair to say, is is Brandon Barker, who had his second start at the the weekend. And uh, to me, he's an anagram of a good player because everything's there. You know, you can see exactly what and, and you get bits of it, but he's just not putting it all together at the moment. Again, though, I can see what the manager likes um, in him. I can see what people have seen in him throughout his career because he is quick, he is direct. Uh, his movement is also good, and I know that that's you know people might kind of you know scoff at that a little, but it's vital for the way that this front four of ours play that they all can interchange comfortably and knowingly. He's good at that, but at the moment, the final bit, which is the most important bit in football, isn't quite happening for him. And because I think he's had that that kind of, let's be honest, poor first season at, at Rangers, that he doesn't maybe have the the buy-in from fans or the belief that the other players might have if they'd even made a strong start and then dipped. But it, it, the manager clearly sees something in him. Jamie Murphy's gone off to Hibs, Brandon Barker staying and playing. So is it just something we're going to have to get used to? And is there the potential that he will put all these parts together? Uh, and become the kind of player that clearly the management team think that he can be. I hope so. Um, yeah, he is. Um, he's a strange. He's a strange uh, player to get your head around. I remember plenty of times last season talking with you guys and would be joking, you know, saying what competition did Brandon Barker win to to get a game with Rangers. Um, but I, I, I hate this phrase, but I'm going to use it. There is there is a player in there somewhere. He has got a lot of the the right tools, and clearly, you know, he, one of the uh, during his time there, one of the most uh, standouts from the the Man City Academy. He had a good spell at Hibs as well. There's something there about him, but as you say, when it comes to that final part of his game, you know, it's it's just lacking currently, and that is the most important part. Not just because obviously it is in football, but his role as well. We're expecting him to, you know, deliver that final ball, beat a man, get a shot, we get a goal, and. It just seems, I don't know, it seems like he's got everything up to when he has to think about it. He can go a big, long, busting run from 30, 40 yards out, but then when he gets in and around the box and he has to think, right, what's my next move here? It just, everything seems to just fall apart. 
is it possible that it will all come together for him? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, I think we will need to get used to him playing because I think he's certainly the manager's project player this year. I think uh, Gerard has took a shine to him. And from what I've been hearing as well, I, I, I've seen uh, Andy Haldy said this week that he's one of the best trainers um, he's ever seen, which we know goes a long way with, uh, with Gerard. He'll have a lot of respect for players like that. So I think we're going to see an awful lot of uh, Barker this year. And... <laughs> Can it fall into place? Yes. Um, do I think it's going to? I'm, I'm still a wee bit on the fence about that because the, I said he's got all the tools, but the, the thing that he's missing, I don't really know if that's teachable. I think it's either something you've got, you don't. Colin, I would love it to come well, come good for him. Um, last season he did nothing to convince me that he had a future at the club. I was pretty sure he'd be one of these players that would be going out during the summer. If you told me a month or so ago that he'd be one of the players starting two games in a row at this stage of the season in that midfield, I would have kind of laughed and said, don't be so ridiculous. However, this is a guy that's been through the Manchester City Academy. He's went to Holland and played. Um, he has had a decent spell at Hibs. And like David said, he seems to be impressing the manager in terms of training. And Gerard likes him. Uh, what I will say is the biggest thing Brandon Barker's probably got going from at the moment is that he's playing in front of no fans. Um, I think it would be, I think the confidence he's going to have to get, and he probably needs a goal, he probably needs a really good performance to really get his own, get himself in a position where he's going to be able to push on and make the jersey his and win some people over. And I think it's probably easier for him to do so just now when he's not got people perhaps on his back when things don't work or when he does the odd bad pass or the odd bad shot because he is trying things in games. You can see that he has been unlucky with a few a few things, a few touches in games where he could have went kind of from hero to zero a couple of times. So there's obviously something there and he's getting an opportunity. He's getting an opportunity ahead of people like um, players that have moved out, players that we've still got, um, that are not going anywhere near the team. Yeah, Stuart, Jones, Stuart, there's two examples, yeah. We've got different positions and stuff, but we've seen guys like McCrory leave the club this season, this season as well. Guys that we think are decent players and I've got something to offer. Uh, Greg Stewart as well. Obviously different positions, but still players that we all think probably get more to offer than what any of us would have thought Brandon Barker would. However, the guy that makes these decisions is Stephen Gerrard and he sees something. So I'm not going to question Stephen Gerrard's ability to view a midfielder because he's far more, more experienced than that. And if he can get a game out of him and get Brandon, Bar- Brandon Barker playing well, then it's one to watch for us because it's a player nobody expected to be doing well for us. He's already there. He's on a decent long-term contract. So it's a no-lose situation for us really if it does start to work out. Yeah, I don't know about midfielder. I mean, he's an attacker, forward type, I think, would be a more accurate description. But, um, yeah, I mean, he might be this season, Shea Ojo, or he might have that breakthrough game that I think he needs The people see and go, ah, right, OK, can see where it comes from. I wish he'd put that chance away in the second half. I think it would have been great for his confidence. But yeah. he, he kind of... But that's in a nutshell, though. He should have scored that. <laughs> he, he should have scored, yeah. He absolutely should. He wasn't alone in that on, on Saturday. You mm-hmm. know, a few of them were having kind of misses that you wouldn't necessarily have, have expected them to do. But it was a really great chance to get that goal. And then that, I think, would have maybe changed the perception. Totally of them. And it is difficult. Once Rangers fans make, make their mind up about you, mm-hmm. it's hard to change it. 
It's, it's, it's really difficult, and that's, that goes back to what I say about the behind-closed-door games. It's going to give him the opportunity to not have... He's obviously already got the pressure of the jersey, the pressure of the manager, the pressure of the other players that want in this team ahead of him. Having the fans not adding to that, I think, can only help him and give him the best of chance. And like Dan David's spot on, he is going to get opportunities. He is going to be in this team for the next couple of games, I think. So it's... It's interesting time to see how he does, um, but he does need a goal. A goal or some bit of magic could really transform him overnight, I think, and really, really help him. The only thing he needs more than a goal is a haircut. That's come for you as well. Let's move on to the defence, which has been absolutely splendid this season. Well, it's been perfect this season. Six matches, no goals conceded, barely even any shots. I don't think we're into double figures for shots on goal. There was one truly brilliant save from John McLaughlin at the weekend. David, uh, I know you played your time as a youngster in goals. Um, interesting choice. The manager, you know, he's Alan McGregor. Was fit last week, but the manager said, "Well, he's only had two training sessions. Fair enough." But you know, a week of sessions this week, back Hamilton away. You know, not necessarily. You'd think probably the most physical or difficult game you'll come up against. Plastic pitch, admittedly, but the manager went with John McLaughlin. Was it pains afterwards to see Alan McGregor will, will have opportunity throughout the season? But the two of them were fit, and he picked John McLaughlin. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I've been seeing some debate about this uh, online. You know, um, a lot of people saying that McLaughlin hasn't done anything to to lose a jersey, which on one hand I totally agree with. Um, I'd also argue that other than getting injured, neither has Al McGregor. You know, there's a there's a saying in the, the NFL. You know, you don't lose your job for injury, which has been proven time and time again. That like to actually be false. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not really sure um, if I can just talk about that save as well because I say as a goalkeeper, I thought it was uh, I thought it was an incredible save. It's very counterintuitive for a goalkeeper to in football to, to go backwards when you're trying to make a, a save. Generally, when you're diving, you throw yourself slightly forward and you don't really ever think about going backwards. That's where you see a lot of guys get caught off the line because they have to they have to kind of dive backwards and tip the ball away from. Uh, this was a great save because he has to go backwards. He's already made, made a move out and to have the, the footwork and the quickness to get himself just that wee half step back in, absolutely superb save. It's um, uh, it's so easy for for that to go in. The ball's coming at its uh, speed and it's just took a head at the near post. That's a goal, nine times out of ten. It was an absolutely tremendous save. The goalkeeper argument itself, um, I'm unsure, uh, to be honest. I thought McLaughlin, at first, um, I was surprised that we did sign him because he is such a good goalkeeper. And for him to become here as a number two... Um, I, I was surprised because I thought he would he would get... Um, wherever he was going, if it wasn't us, he would be getting games. To be honest, he is a number one level goalkeeper, as we've seen in the brief times he's been called into action so far this season. I just wonder if... Um, I think we might see him um, more often than we thought. I'm a little bit worried about a couple of injuries that McGregor is picking up because they have not been, you know, major injuries where you can see why he's going to be out for months. I think it's wee niggle injuries and that combined with time. The older you get these wee niggling injuries, you know, they, they can be a career killer. They just, they keep getting at you, keep getting, you don't really know why it's happening or, or, or what's really wrong with you, but you're just sore all the time. You're picking up these wee nagging injuries and I don't know, maybe time is just catching up with McGregor eventually. Albeit, this could look ridiculous six months down the line if McGregor comes back at team and he's just the number one again. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, we finish this season and McLaughlin's played more games than McGregor. 
Well, he's certainly shown the form and uh, deserves to be there. Philip Hellander has played the last couple of games after Leon Balogun's injury. Um, the other defence has been unchanged uh, with Tav, Conor Goldson and Borna Barisic calling. All of whom, I think, uh, are pretty much nailed on for a place. Uh, but I think, you know, Philip Hellander was a big investment and if fit, I think we'll probably get that. You also get the, the left-right balance. And again, I think he's looking... I don't know, just quicker and sharper, even than when he first arrived last season. He definitely is. And when you look at that defensive pairing, that's the pairing that the manager spent the money on. If you think about Goldson, you think about him, that's the, the ones he's actually went out and got the checkbook out and spent a fair bit on. So it does make sense that they are his first choice, but you're starting to see why we paid the money for him now. He hasn't really put a foot wrong. And one of the things that I hadn't noticed he was so good at before was his recovery pace. Um, there was a couple of times in the last couple of games that he's played where he's had no right to get back as quickly as he has done, but he's basically, he's basically just strolled past the other player and got there, and he, he's looked great, he's looked dependable, he's looked confident with the ball at his feet, his passing's been decent, and nothing's got by him. You, We've got, we've got decent defenders at the minute, we've got decent defenders that can get in the team, um, and it's hard to justify taking any of the ones that are playing just now out of it. Um, Leon, when he came in, he played particularly well in his game for his injury as well, so he might be feeling quite hard done to at the moment. But I think that's the partnership at the minute, and I'd be loath to change it because that, along with McLaughlin and goals, it's working. They're hardly conceding a chance, never mind a goal, as you said. So it's working. Starting the league season with six clean sheets is, is absolutely brilliant. Um, if you actually look at 2020, the calendar year, we've only conceded eight goals in the whole league. And we're coming into September. It's absolutely crazy how good the defence has been, even finishing off last season as well. So long may it continue with Hellander, because he was one person last season coming up for his injury. I wasn't completely convinced on. I wasn't sure we'd spent the right sort of money on him. I didn't quite understand the signing because I was a big Katic fan. But he's he's proven me wrong every time he plays at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we do have a, a, a plethora of excellent defenders. And David, I, I'd like to have a wee bit of love for Conor Goldson because he's not somebody that gets spoken about a lot, but when he makes a mistake, and I'm bad for this, I highlight it. Um, I think he's been tremendous so far this season, um, not only in his performances, which I think, again, have gone up a level, but also his leadership of the defence. He, he's the guy that marshals them. He's the guy that gives the command to push up. He's the guy that... That is the kind of the Tony Adams for people of my generation, and I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for for how well we've been doing. No, absolutely. Um, I think Goldson's one of these guys. He's not particularly, you know, the supports a whole one of the, the the main favourites. And if things go wrong, he is one of the first guys to come in to criticize, uh, get criticism. You know, sometimes fairly, but often it's probably probably leaning too much the, the other way, and he gets. More than, the, more than his fair share of criticism. He's been excellent uh, this season, he really has. And as you say, it's all about that Marshall and defence. Who, who doesn't matter who he's been playing side, he's the one that's um, that, that's taking the lead, that's um, you know, showing, showing how to go. And even you talk about uh, a Tony Adams uh, role, David, I look at it as a, as a David Weir role because that's what he did when he used the 10. He, in the defence, he directed traffic, he told his partner whether it was Queller, Baguera. Danny, Danny Wilson or even uh, Stephen Whitaker in one game, where to go, what to do. And that's what you need. You need somebody in that set of defence that's um, going to have the, the brains, going to have that leadership ability to, to organise defence. And so far this season, as you say, six clean sheets out of six, <laughs> A-plus all round. Oh, I'd be up for telling Stephen Whitaker where to go. I bet uh, you would. <laughs> if, the, if the opportunity ever, ever came up. So uh, I, I 
did it many a time when he when he was playing for us, and that was before everything happened. So now, uh, if the opportunity ever comes up, I'd be, <laughs> be more than willing. Moving on then to you know what we where we are. We've we've got a good platform, Colin. Sixteen at eighteen, right? We saw the the bloodletting after the the two points that were dropped, but overall, it's been a a good start to the season. It's not been great. It's not been fantastic. It's not been per- It's not been perfect apart from the defence, obviously. But um, it's been decent and it's given us a platform to build on but it's no more than that as far as I'm concerned yeah it's it's been dare I say it, it's how Rangers should be starting a season David yeah. it's, it's kind of in the olden days but I said expected and be quite just content um, it's probably a sign of how we've came from the last 10 years or so that we are maybe some people get ahead of themselves a little bit but yeah we looking on paper other than Aberdeen in the first game we had a not bad run of fixtures Um to only mess up really once at Livingston and we've done in other games I think you can be quietly satisfied with um, I think the new signings are starting to starting to get the hang of things and starting to come good as well and we're playing some good football I think the, the benefit of the extended pre-season without the constant Thursday European qualifiers so early in the campaign has helped us massively as well because Gerard has probably spent more time on the training ground with this squad of players than he has done at all over the previous two seasons and I think you're starting to see that. Um, we're even seeing it in the last two weeks as well, having the spare spare games in midweek and being able to do more stuff. And that's how you're probably seeing a lot of the interchanging that we're seeing from the front three. Um, a lot of the other things that they're starting to shoot from shoot from outside the box. All the different things that we're probably not done or he's not been able to spend time on or different tactical stuff. And that's the big thing that we want to try and push and do. He's got a great team of coaches working with from Steven Gerrard. And it's just, it's just the way it was. We're playing 55, 60 games a season. You weren't getting enough time on the training ground. So to start to see that, starting to show fruition, it's, it's good to see. But we've got 13 days now to sit and worry about the next game or think about it. But I'm glad that we've been in those fears. There's nothing worse than a bad result before a international break because you sit and mull over it and you stress about the next game for the next two weeks. Now we can sit top of the league content but not resting our laurels and be ready for the action to start again with Dundee United. Um, and another sort of cycle of fixtures. I know the manager likes to break these international breaks down into cycles. And first cycle, pretty good, pretty happy with that. On to the next one now and more of the same, please. David, if you could add to the squad over this window, what's the key position? Uh, box to box midfielder. Um, for me, you know, somebody that's going to drag us forward in games where we're struggling where teams are, are sitting in and um, just somebody with that, something a wee bit different, something creative in his locker that can help us break down the, these stubborn defences. I'm still not particularly sure if we have that in the middle of the of the park. Um, you can see uh, Ryan, Ryan Kent does that and Hadji as well, hopefully from, from wide areas coming in, but I, I, need, I want somebody more from that middle of the park that can drive on and take the game from there. Colin, Two players who have left, we mentioned earlier, Damien Murphy at the weekend went to Hibs, made his debut yesterday against uh, Aberdeen and, uh, of course, playing for Aberdeen. In fact, winning the man in the match was Ross McCrory, who has now headed out there now. That, I think, caused a, a, a wee bit of uh, a murmur of discontent among Rangers fans yesterday with the fact that Ross McCrory was was so good uh, in a match that probably some of us watched. We maybe would have, if we did any other option, we probably would have. And he, <laughs> and he was terrific yesterday, from what I saw. Um, it, it's a hard one for me because I liked both of these players a lot, and I, I think that they could have contributed against that. Do I need to just be realistic and say, well, 
hang on a minute, you know, we can't keep a huge squad. If guys aren't going to play, then we need to let them go. Um, and would I be so upset, I suppose I ask myself, if they'd gone to England? <laughs> no, you probably wouldn't be. Um, Ross McCurry's a, a, a difficult one for me because he's a player that we all sort of really, really took to because he was a bit of a shining light in that Murty team, wasn't he? When there wasn't a lot of good stuff happening, this young boy came in and we were all quite enamoured by him. But it never really kicked in under Gerard. He didn't, didn't really play a lot of games. He's had the loans. It never really worked out for him. And he's had the pre-seasons each year, each season. He's not been able to force his way into these plans. So for the good of him as a player at the age he is, I think it's right for him to go and try and make a career for himself somewhere else. I don't like the fact that it's Aberdeen. Um, I'm hopeful they can maybe do some damage or contribute some damage to some of the teams around us, perhaps. But it's difficult to feel happy for him when you see him doing well in that shirt. Um, similar uh, with the, uh, Murphy going to Hibs as well. It's just it's it's two clubs that you just don't think we'd be doing business with. But we seem to have kind of changed tact in that regard, and we seem to be trying to give all the branches to these clubs and trying to do football business regardless of who these teams are. Um, and if we're going to get these players off the wage bill uh, when they're not probably going to be contributing and help us get that box-to-box midfielder in that we really, really want with a combination of those two wages, then it will turn out to be right, the right thing. But it is just a little bit disheartening at the minute to see two guys that we, we think are good, we think they could potentially offer something and going to see them doing things for clubs we don't really, we don't really want to see them excelling at. And I suppose that's maybe a little bit small-minded of us, but maybe we are a little bit small-minded when it comes to Scottish football. I am. <laughs> there well, we go. The, the olive branch that I would offer would have been first dipped in, in petrol and set alight. Um, but that's you know just me, it's why I'm not running the club, despite what you might have heard. Uh, <laughs> but David, uh, the problem I think with Ross McCrory is that I remember the game against Celtic where he was magnificent, yep. but we don't get to play like that very often. And a lot of the games, as we've seen, our midfielders need to be better on the ball than he has shown at times you know in a creative sense in fact it's something that we struggled with at times I see Livingston in particular I thought the centre midfield didn't work at all and, and Glenn Kamara has been dropped since for example whereas at Aberdeen yesterday the job he had to do and this might sound kind of counterintuitive but it's true wasn't really based on having the ball his good work was done in pressing and harrying and making it difficult for Hibs and Aberdeen play like that whereas Really, apart from maybe old firm in Europe, we, we don't get to play like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem, and I knew this was going to happen. Uh, Robbie McCro- um sorry, Ross McCrory was always going to do well at Aberdeen uh, because, one, he's a good player, and Aberdeen play exactly the way that benefits his game. He fits into their scheme of things so well. The problem is he didn't at Rangers because, as you said, we don't we don't play that way. His problem was that he just wasn't good enough on the ball. He had a lot of potential. I really liked him, but his actual ball play part, his game, it just didn't kick on the way, the way we needed to. And I, I hate it. I, I hate seeing him play for them. You know, I, I really like the guy and uh, seeing him play at a club like that that I, I, I really don't like. Um, yeah, it's it, it's crap, but I can totally understand, uh, understand it. Um, it suits him. He'll he'll do great there, and I could see him going on to um getting a move down England somewhere, you know, a championship team, whatnot, and doing doing well there. But fortunately for the way we play and the way we have to play, we weren't just a fit for him, and he wasn't a fit for us. It's simple as that. 
I still think Jamie Murphy could have contributed, Colin, and I, I will think be. That's weird. Yeah. I will remain firm in my belief on that. <laughs> I might be wrong, and he might go and have a terrible time of it at Hibs, but I doubt it. Uh, just the manager for some reason just didn't see it. He'd, well, he did initially until the injury. That's the thing. Um, he was playing for us. He was scoring goals. He was doing really, really well until he took that injury on that pitch. And I don't know if maybe the management team just lost confidence in him. Uh, they think that maybe at his age, the time out of the game's not helped him at all. And they just see the different options we have in those areas just now. And they don't see him contributing much or getting much game time. But when you look at these nine-man benches that we're able to field... You would like to think they could would have found a space on there for him to come on and maybe change a game or even just let one of our guys like Kent or someone else a bit of a rest and come off and offer something different and get his extra few goals in a game like yesterday, sorry, a game like Saturday when it was 2-0 for a hell of a long time and we didn't look like scoring again. We could have brought somebody on to do something a little bit different and see what they can contribute that wise. But they've decided not to and... The manager spoke very, very glowingly when discussing him and wished them all the best. And I think that's the last we'll hear about it. So I just don't think we'll ever really get to know the true story about why Gerard didn't fancy him. But since that injury, it seems that his, his days have been numbered, really. I think it's all comes razor sometimes. You know, I think that we look for bigger reasons and sometimes it literally just is. I've got other players I want to play ahead of them. Um, and sometimes, you know, we, we maybe go, it's this or that. And, and it's not, it really just is. And I think that, it's fair to say, Dave, that, that, that Gerard has shown over the last couple of years he likes these explosive type players, quick mm. players that direct it. Whereas I think I sometimes look at a guy like Jamie Murphy or Greg Stewart and they're not the quickest. They never will be. They're never going to explode through a defence, but they've got good feet and they can beat yeah. somebody and crack a shot from the edge of the box. And sometimes I think it's an option that we lack. I totally agree. And I, I, I'm i with you in this one. I think that's... Um weird to, to let him go like this um, and as Colin says well when he, when Gerard first came to the club uh, pre-Jamie Murphy's injury he was one of the manager's favourites and he was absolutely gutted uh, when it, when he got injured. Last season I could understand that I was a bit concerned about this uh, injury might might uh, be cuttings for Jamie Murphy just for the ages as in how, how horrific an injury it was but he went away last year on loan uh, did great by all accounts and I was hoping he would to have a part to play in this team, and you talk about the other players that we've got for them. I mean, Brandon Barker's the the you know prime example. Am I convinced sitting right here now in August 2020 that Brandon Barker's a better option than Jamie Murphy? Um, I'm not. I, I really aren't, and I can see it being the same thing with uh, McCrory. I can see Jamie Murphy going going to have and having a great season, and we'll see numerous tweets and comments and message boards uh, saying why do we let this guy go? And that's when. I really need to scratch my head off. I think we should have hung on to him. I really do. Ah, well, time will tell, and we would love to, you know, be wrong. Yeah. Again, it's it's a tough. It's the same as the McCrory one, and I wish him well, but I don't wish the team he's gone to well. So it's it's kind of tough, <laughs> but we'll see what happens with it. Right, folks, that'll do us for today. No heart and hand extra this week because, of course, we've got no fixture next weekend. It's the dreaded international break. Yeah. Seems a bit crazy to have it during the middle of a pandemic, but yet here we are. Uh, that's uh, uh, UEFA at work for you. However, if you want to keep up to date with all the, the latest Rangers happenings, it never stops. We've, we've learned that over the last few international breaks. Then go to our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where from just one ninety nine per month you can get up to five shows every single day on all things rangers all things football and a lot more besides it's very entertaining i think you'll love it so please pop over there for that right 
just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my guests, first of all, David Marshall. Pleasure as always, guys. And Colin McMillan. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back soon. Until then, get through the international break and we can start looking ahead to the jails. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.